Each and every week, I talk to very interesting people. And the most important part is that I shouldn't be the only one hearing it. I really feel that if these people make sense to me, that everyone out there needs to hear it. So stay tuned, folks, and I hope you enjoy this newest weekly segment on Coach Business. Jessica Bruder is an author and journalist whose latest book, Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century, takes us on a 15,000-mile cross-country journey in her RV named Van Halen. Getting up close and personal with a relatively new subculture of America that includes many seniors who travel the country in motorhomes, a life many did not anticipate, and then 2008 happened. So, Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century. I was intrigued by just on the jacket where it said you were the beet fields of North Dakota. I grew up and I was born in Fargo. Ah, you know those fields. I do only too well, yes. So let's talk about the book. It's it's rather an intriguing look at, well, like you said, Surviving America in the 21st Century. You talk about the, the 2008 financial crisis and how it really isn't over. No, I mean, for a lot of people, the crisis's echo effects will be lasting for the rest of their lives, uh, particularly a lot of folks who expected to have more of a traditional retirement and then saw their savings wiped out, 401ks decimated, lost equity in their houses, and ended up living a rather different um, life than they anticipated. And what kinds of things have you discovered? Yeah, I mean, basically, what blew my mind, and perhaps I was a bit naive at first, is initially, when I saw RVers out on the road, I always assumed, wow, those are the last of the great pensioners. They are tootling around the country. They're going everywhere from Niagara Falls to Old Faithful and Yellowstone. And isn't that cool that they're doing that in their retirement and that they've got, you know, they've got it made. And while those people are still out there, uh, there's a whole new group of people as well. And when you look at the fact that we are in a nation where federal minimum wage is flat at 725, where housing costs have been going up, we've got the disaster that was the Great Recession, and we've got just all sorts of challenges in retirement finance and people not having enough set aside, sometimes because wages are just so depressed. Uh, it's kind of this perfect storm. And for a lot of people, the solution has been, well, what's my biggest expense? My biggest expense is housing. I cannot give myself a raise, but I can cut my expenses. So what if I cut out housing, which sounds pretty radical, but uh, has become a lifeline for a lot of people who moved into secondhand RVs and vans and travel trailers and even a few sedans and have found that they can go out on the road. And, and in fact, there's a whole um, whole subculture of folks doing this and a whole litany of employers who are looking for workers just like them. And they, and they literally travel around from essentially job to job and they, they have their rallying points along the way. Indeed. And, and the jobs, there's quite a wide range. Um, a lot of people work as campground hosts in the national parks, the parks contract with concessionaires who hire people like the ones we're talking about to come in and do everything from toilet cleaning to other routine maintenance to greeting campers to dealing with rowdy people. Um, these people get hired to guard the gates of oil fields in Texas. They get hired by Amazon through a program called Camper Force to do 10-hour shifts on their feet on the concrete uh, doing pick and pack to get those orders out in the busy months before Christmas. They work in theme parks from Dollywood to Adventureland where uh, the headlines were a couple years ago, 
um, a gentleman in his 60s who was a retired pastor and postal carrier actually lost his life as a result of the on-the-job and on-the-job accident at Adventureland where conveyor belts started up too soon, which does raise the point that a lot of these jobs are the kind of work that I think we've traditionally associated with younger bodies. Right. Uh, but these folks are out there doing it. And do you think that the folks that you've talked to that are, say, in their 60s or, or even closer to 70, let's say, do they see any end in sight? Is there a retirement for them? Um, honestly, no. For most of them, no. And this is a strange thing, too, because if you look at history and all the people who were out on the road following the Great Depression, right? Uh, the, the predominant attitude was that things were going to change, that this, too, would pass that it was a phase in the economy, that things would normalize, the status quo would return, and that they would just kind of merge back into the ranks of the housed middle class. But given all the tumult of our era, I think most of these people, and I, I know most of the people I spoke to, don't really think the cavalry is coming anytime soon. And many of them are preparing to do it for the long haul. Or they're trying to save up for a small patch of land where they could homestead. But this is both the present and the end game for many, many people I met. So this is this is primarily a lot of retirees, but there's got to be other folks really just running the gambit that are out there, like you said, being nomads, run, going across the country. Even though, you know, we're hearing stories all the time. I just heard one on the way back from lunch. Uh, there's more jobs than expected. But really, are there? Yeah, well, when, when we say there are more jobs than expected, uh, a couple things are usually left out of that equation. So, for example, when they do the employment figures, they usually leave out uh, the whole group of people that has just given up looking for work. Of course. So those numbers don't make it in. And often we don't account for the quality of the jobs. Just the fact that, again, our federal minimum wage remains at seven twenty-five an hour and housing costs keep going up. So while it's easy to say, oh, yes, there are so many jobs, uh, if the jobs aren't paying you enough to stay in a house, well, they're only worth so much. Right, exactly. And some of these motorhomes, they're not the best either, right? No. <laughs> I've seen some. I mean, uh, I know people who get quite attached to their motorhomes, but the, the woman who is featured most prominently uh, in my book, Nomadland, lives in a 1972 Hunter Compact, which uh, back in its heyday was, I believe it was, um, oh gosh, there were these really amazing uh retro now looking ads saying this was a crowning achievement in travel for leisure. And you look at this thing and it looks like one of those styrofoam hamburger containers from the eighties. It's kind oh of like gosh. a fiberglass life support capsule. It's 10 feet long inside. It is uh, the ceiling accommodates somebody who's five, three and Linda is five, two. So she makes do with it, but that's, that's her home. So this is, uh, this is sort of a different look at tiny houses that we keep hearing so much about. Yeah, absolutely. In a way, these are tiny houses on wheels. And it really interests me so often when we talk about the tiny house movement, we talk about chic minimalism, we really look at style, but we don't look at the impact that the economy has on style. I mean, I've met plenty of younger people out on the road who might fit more into this, you know, chic minimalism, wanderer aesthetic. But when you talk to them for a while, you realize they've got the same issues that everyone else does sure. in that uh, many of them have student debt or didn't want to go to college because they didn't want to come out the other side with that debt into a job market where a job won't pay a living wage. So in, in your encounters with folks, how are you received? How Are they happy to talk with you and tell their stories? Uh, people can be a little reticent at first. I think they're um, Nobody wants to be perceived as homeless, and there's such a big stigma on that word. Uh, the people I spoke with prefer to call themselves houseless, uh, 
But they don't really know at first if you'll understand that. I remember speaking with one woman who now I think I talk to every week, but the first time she met me, she said, oh, you're the journalist. You're going to make us out to look like a bunch of homeless vagabonds. But uh, the great thing about having a book project is you can spend oodles of time with people. And that's what I did. I really didn't go away. I traveled 15,000 miles in my rig, a van named Halen. And I just spent days and weeks and sometimes months on end with people. And they get a feel for who you are. And I think the people I spoke with and who were generous enough to share their stories with me uh, got a sense that while I recognized how complex their economic circumstances were, I also was not interested in uh, portraying them as abject victims who were walking around in sackcloth and ashes and bemoaning their lot and had no agency at all. Of course. Jessica, is there anything else you want to touch on that we haven't talked about? Oh, man, you've hit it pretty well. One thing I'm worried about, uh, and I'll share, just might be totally new to your audience, is there's a huge wave right now going on in this country where we're criminalizing homelessness. There are cities and towns all over the place saying it's illegal to sleep in your car. You've got rangers in the national park saying, hey, you've got to prove to me that not only do you have an address, but that you live there. Because if you can't prove to me that you live anywhere, then you're making this park your home and you're not entitled to the camping rights that everyone else gets. So um, I just, I hope if people read this book and think about the stories of the people I met out on the road, they'll think a little bit differently about this population and realize that, you know, they are us and, you know, we stigmatize them at our peril. And and the book is available everywhere, I'm sure, Amazon, all the bookstores. I urge people to go to independent bookstores. Sure, I (laughs) I understand. a, A scrappy and dwindling breed, and we should support them as much as we can. So that's my vote. But yeah, you can find the book anywhere. But you're traveling around the country. You're making appearances, uh, you know, literally around the country. And I'm guessing you're going to those independent bookstores. Oh, yeah. I am about to take off in the van and drive from Seattle to Los Angeles, stopping at independent bookstores all along the way. Nice. uh, And hopefully getting to share the book with some people. The book details the lives of many people she met from coast to coast, and their stories are fascinating. And you really get a sense of who they are. And as she says, they are us. The book is called Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century, written by Jessica Bruder. It's available everywhere. For the Financial Safari, I'm Steve Siddall.